Welcome back, everybody. You guys are listening to the Down to the Wire podcast. I'm your host, Brian Costa, and today we have a very special episode for you guys. Uh, first of all, I want to welcome in a very special guest of the show. I've had him on before. I'm actually going to be, I was actually on his show yesterday. It uh, Our shows are actually going to be airing at the same time. Uh, it's actually going to be kind of a very interesting thing, be able to play off one another's, but uh, without any further ado, let me introduce uh, the host of the Pesky Poll podcast, Robert Shelley. Rob, how are we doing today, man? What's good, everybody, man? I'm not doing too, too bad. Just spent a couple hours or so out in the 90-degree Tennessee heat, but on that, we doing good. How you doing, bro? Dude, I'm doing pretty good. I mean, you know, finally done with finals on summer break. This, I think this is officially the first episode of me now on summer break. Thank God it was. it's about damn time, and... I am just so glad mm-hmm. to be done with everything and really just excited for everything the summer presents. Uh, I know you just graduated from Dean college. Uh, you know, that's gotta be pretty yes, wild. Sir. I'm just kind of now kind of just being done with college life. Uh, you know, how's that kind of, how's that kind of whole transition been? Oh, it's not bad. Like coming down to Tennessee, it's just been a struggle trying to get all my stuff, move it out. But yeah. right now just looking for a job for the fall getting some sort of part-time gig for now, looking for a job in the fall, trying to do all that is the most stressful part. But other than that, yeah. I am enjoying this so much more than being in school. Oh, me too. I mean, for me, it usually takes me about like a week or two before I can get into like summer brain. If you know what I mean? Like where like you, where you, where you kind of finally like take a couple days and like, and like you still kind of have like some school stress, even though there are no more assignments. But for me, as soon as I passed in my last assignment, I was like, I'm here. I am checked out completely and I am so ready for it to be summer. I am very thankful that, uh, that this crazy semester is over with, uh, but I am excited for it to be able to talk sports and everything and everything with you guys as well. Uh, there might be some big announcements coming up pretty soon, which is uh, pretty exciting with between us and our, co- and some of other colleagues. Uh, don't want to spoil anything yet. Want to maybe uh, test the waters with that though. We'll see how that goes. Uh, but before we get into anything sports wise, there was something uh, I like to talk a little pop culture on the show, which, you know, for many of my listeners, you'll you'll know that. Uh, but something that I kind of caught and I'll, I'm covering this, you know, with the very, you know, very, uh, very limited context. I'm, I'm basically covering it with the context of a rap TV Instagram post, which if you know those kind of Instagram posts, they're very, very just uh, like not detailed at all. But I see a post on rap TV on Instagram. And it says that apparently uh, some airlines may soon uh, may soon possibly, you know, look into weighing passengers before they get on flights. I don't know if you saw about this. I kind of like mentioned it to you before the show, but I didn't know if you had heard about this beforehand. Uh, first of all, what do you think about this? Because this just sounds absolutely ludicrous to me. For me, I mean, weight doesn't necessarily it, it's obviously a big factor, but weight doesn't mean how big you are. Like you could be. Yeah, 300 pounds, but insanely muscular, you'd be 300 pounds and not, Oh yeah, you know, so basically, yeah. you got to put the decision in the hands of the passenger, if they are that big, and the reports are saying as um, the what you're saying is true, the people just need to buy two seats. Okay. Yeah. Other other than that, like, if I'm, I mean, myself, I'm five foot 10 and like 160 or so pounds. Right. I can yeah. easily fit into one seat. I don't need them weighing me to see my actual weight, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I mean, listen, I don't think that I'm not really consider. I wasn't really considering it through the idea of like, of like, you know, getting two seats and doing stuff like this. 
But the thing that concerns me is just like, you know, we've been flying planes, I'd have to say, for maybe, you know, well over 100 years at this point. Uh, at w- what point, what is now becoming such a dire issue that we now that, you know, is it I'm, I mean, you know, frankly, it could just be the idea that passengers nowadays are just carrying so much stuff on planes and people are trying to get, you know, every single carry on on a plane. And so and like any and a lot of stuff has to get stored below the plane. But in my mind, I'm just like, I'm like, how like how sketchy are these aircraft that we start now that we now have to start taking uh, into effect uh, weighing passengers? I'm just like, I'm like, I, I, I'm like, you know, from what I've heard, I've had a lot of faith in the airline industry. But frankly, if we're weighing people just just being like, ooh, we might be pushing it on this one. We might not be able to get off the tarmac. It's just like, what are we doing out here? Like, like I thought we would have had some, you know, some pretty significant advancements right now. You're hearing about like the, I mean, like I know like the Boeing Triple Seven exists, which is like the size of like a luxury hotel. And but like we're worried about, but we're worried about like some like uh, we're worried about someone who may be pushing like three bills. I'm like, I don't know. I, that kind of just sketches me out because I'm just like, I know we weigh baggage, but like. Like, I don't know if like we should be treating everyone as baggage when they get to the airport, especially if, uh, I mean, maybe if you're flying spirit airlines, frankly, if you're flying spirit, then, you know, maybe, maybe you have to take it into effect. I mean, yeah. you're, I mean, basically you're sitting on, you're sit you basically almost to bring your, you almost have to bring your own seat when you fly spirit. You have to I mean, bring a lawn no, chair you need strap to, down to the floor and hope for the best. No, you need to pray to the Holy spirit that you're going to make it to the <laughs> final destination. All right. That's why they call it spirit airlines. Oh yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's always the flip of a coin, and you you never know if you're gonna make it or not. Either you're either gonna be there, or you're gonna be lost in the mid Atlantic. Yeah, or or somewhere around Indonesia. Oh yeah, yeah, you, like yeah, Malaysia Airlines. What? Mm-hmm. But I I almost never fly if I'm going somewhere. I'm just driving. I mean, even for school, I had the opportunity. Obviously, last year school got um, disrupted early because of everything that was going on. We got kicked out of our colleges early. I could have just had my stuff stored up there and taken a plane yeah. back here, but I'm like, nah, I'd rather just take all my stuff, take drive my car, up. drive down, and then drive back up instead of taking a plane. It's it's a lot easier, yeah. yes, but I don't mind the extra drive. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, if you if you like if you like doing it, and I mean, you know, unfortunately, right now with gas costing about like ninety bucks to fill up a tank, it's maybe not the greatest <sighs> time to be doing it, but. Uh... <laughs> But, you know, but, you know, when it comes to like flying and stuff, I actually don't mind it. I just know that. But one of the problems that I do have before I fly is that uh, I, there's there's this document. There's like this uh, TV series on the Weather Channel that I that I used to watch. It's called a uh, Why Planes Crash. And, you know, it, it breaks down exactly like what goes wrong in some of like the most famous plane crashes throughout history. And a lot of it, frankly, is just that is is human error, and it's like the pilots, the pilots in the sit in the situation just sucked in it, and it's just like I went down instead of up, and it's like you you dumbass, like what are you thinking? Uh, but in reality, it's uh, but you know, in reality, uh, uh, you know, sometimes there are critical systems failures, and I just know, like, if I have a if I know I'm traveling coming up, I just cannot watch that show for like a solid month beforehand. I'm just like, all right, I I can't watch it because I'll be like, I'll be we'll be we'll be uh, getting ready for takeoff, and I'll be like, oh yeah, remember remember that crash? It started off just like this. I'm like, oh boy, I I got to get the <laughs> memories out of my head. I it, I have to, and it's like. It's so unfortunate. I I watch like sometimes I've watched like disaster documentaries like when there's like a hurricane going on. And I'm like I'm like I'm like huh interesting, and it's like like it's just the worst timing with me sometimes. But you know I sometimes I'll watch like I'll watch those plane crash documentaries or stuff like that, and I'm and, and I'm just like and then my family will be like hey we have a vacation coming up. I'm like Jesus Christ like absolutely not terrible no, timing on my case. 
yeah i'm like i'm like i've i'm like i just saw the rudder snap off this boeing 737 i think i'm gonna pass here i think i think you guys you guys can drive i'll take a boat all right exactly exactly well then well then you look into why boats sink and that then that's whole it's it's whole no no it's not Uh, but no, obviously that was just something kind of funny that I wanted to cover at the beginning. I thought that was absolutely ludicrous when I heard about this thing going down. Uh, but you know, I think it's finally time that we get into sports and Rob, I got you on because we have a ton of baseball stuff to talk about on the show today. Uh, you know, we have some other stuff in football and, you know, even UFC later on today, I was trying to get my, uh, UFC analyst, Steve Musher on the show, but unfortunately you couldn't make it today. Uh, but we will be covering that later on. Uh, but we start off in the MLB, which is frankly my favorite sport in all baseball in, in all sports. I love baseball. Uh, and unfortunately there has been, I was actually going to make this episode about our pools going to the Dodgers. We will cover that after this segment, but, uh, you know, something we just saw that, you know, it's slowly become kind of more of a controversy as we've seen it. Uh, so we talked about it on your show, uh, yesterday, which will be coming out at the same time as this, as this one. Uh, but your mean Mercedes, uh, the designated hitter, uh, the designated hitter rather for the Chicago white Sox has kind of just kind of has kind of come into hot water a little bit because they were playing the the uh, they were playing the Minnesota Twins the other day and the Chicago White Sox when I tell you they are beating the brakes off the Twins like it was a terrible game like he, they were absolutely walloping these guys and Mer- and Mercedes comes up to the plate I think it's 15 to 9 uh 15 to 4 at this point rather and you know, will they don't even have they don't even have a pitcher on the mound at this point. It's Willens Astadio who is their like backup catcher or so, and this guy, you know, just gets the three zero in the count and proceeds to throw an absolute meatball over the plate, which Mercedes takes a yard, and you know a lot of people have taken exception to this. Uh, you know, Rob, I'll I'll let you kind of cover it in a sec, but you know, a lot of people were were saying like this kind of brings up the idea of like unwritten rules throughout sports and you know things like this. And, you know, it had its kind of own, uh, you know, pe- pe- some people were on the twins, I guess, were maybe saying it was kind of Bush League, but other people. But, you know, the big kind of uh, critic of the whole thing has actually been uh, Mercedes manager, Tony La Russa. Uh, he's actually come out and has kind of been the most vocal about the whole situation. He came out and he and he said, you know, Mercedes was Mercedes was kind of clueless in the situation. He was a rookie. He didn't know what he was doing. And this has kind of turned into its own thing. And it's even gotten to the point where yesterday, uh, you know, the twins retaliated against Mercedes because they ended up throwing a pitch kind of behind them, you know, like as a, you know, a retaliatory thing. You didn't, they actually didn't throw at him, but they threw behind him in like the seventh inning. And, you know, there was kind of some Tim Anderson kind of got up. He was saying some stuff about it. And it turned into this whole thing where even Tony LaRusso, Tony LaRusso comes out after that game where they throw behind his own player and, and he goes, I could see where, I could see where, where it makes sense. I mean, do you want to do you want to talk about this right now? Because I'll I'll go into it I'll go into it and give my opinions on it in a sec. Jeez, it it kills me, especially because a the first role of a manager is you have your players back, no matter if they're Absolutely. unless they are one thousand percent in the wrong, you have your players back. Mm-hmm. That's a first. Yeah. Second, most of these rules that we're seeing, these sort of unwritten rules, are going by the wayside. The one real one that will stay and will forever stay is if you throw up my player on purpose, I'm throwing it yours. That's that's yeah. the one on purpose rule that I think will never, ever change. But if you're going to have somebody go out there, and we talked about this on my show, if you're going to have somebody go out there and throw 47 miles an hour, I faced that, faster than that, that was in Little too. League. You're asking for a home yeah, no. run derby. No, yeah, no, that was the thing. It's not like it's like 
I, it was gonna be. I, I was like, it's one thing if they if it's like this pitcher just struggling to get through, and it's like another thing if the position player, you know, he's trying to throw strikes, but it's not not working. This guy is throwing forty seven miles an hour, and for who anyone who hasn't played baseball before, like that doesn't even register. Like, and you don't even see that in a varsity baseball game. But let, let, not hell, no not middle even school JV baseball game, middle school, yeah, not even middle school, and not, probably not even that. Like you got, you still probably have guys at least throwing like 50, 55. like. You know, if you're only mustering up 47 miles an hour and when you saw the way he threw this pitch, it, you know, literally was a lollipop pitch into the middle of the plate. And listen, I listen, there were some other things going on, going on too. apparently La Russa was saying that Mercedes uh, blew past a take sign and didn't do that, which if that's the case, that's its own situation. Cause you know, cause then it's just like the pit because then it's a player, maybe not following a manager's command, but you know, it, from what it's been, from what I've seen it more as it, you know, that isn't how, uh, that isn't how LaRusse has framed this thing. He's really come out and said, no, it's because, uh, you know, we, we were up by so much. You should kind of respect the game and have some sportsmanship in this situation. And, you know, I, I was in some games where it was blowouts and stuff like that. And, you know, you know, we had we had some teams that stole that were stealing on us when they were up by like 12. And like in our coach, our coach would literally say to the other guys, and it'd be like, like, guys, are we seriously doing this? And it and, you know, it was kind of and, you know, there are times where, where you're like, this is kind of bush and this is kind of ridiculous. Uh, but you know, frankly, when this is all happening, it makes it kind of just makes you go like, I don't know. When it happens at when it happens on those levels, rather, like you can kind of understand it because it's like because it's like you know what you're not trying to get have people's feelings get hurt. You're not trying to have this happen. But you're in the major leagues, freaking uh, goddamn it! Like you're at the highest level of professional sports. Like I think these guys can take a little bit of criticism, and you know, if guys are hitting home runs. You know, get the damn out. Get get a guy in the game who can get you out of the situation. Yeah, I know. I know your bullpen might might be might be tired the next day, but if you don't want, the, but if you're gonna be putting a guy in who's throwing meatballs, this is what's gonna happen. No, hundred percent, man. Like that's that's the same thing that I'm saying is, and I said the story on my show, but I'm gonna say it again for your viewers. When I was a senior in high school, I was the captain of my high school team. We were getting walloped in this one game, six to six to one or eight to one. I can't remember, but coach, I was never a pitcher in high school, especially in varsity. So he calls me and he calls me up and he says, yo, can you get me two innings just so I could save? Cause our pitching depth was very limited. So like on a typical day, seven inning games, our pitchers are going minimum six. Our starters going minimums. That's how pressed we were for pitchers. So that's tough. We only had like four or five pitchers and we had a three man rotation. Um, Let's see. So I go in for high school though. Yeah. I go in and I have a one inning pitched and I allowed, uh, by the time I got out, it was 14 to one. Do you think when the other team saw me starting to warm up, they said, Hey, this guy's worse. We're up by so much. Let's back off the brakes and let's affect our own stats so that they can get out of this game without using their pitchers. Hell, they don't give a damn about you. They give a damn about themselves. No. And yeah. And listen, like, here's the thing, too. You know, you know, I, you saw that you saw La Russa came out and was and was criticizing Mercedes for being like he, they were like, oh, he's a rookie. He's inexperienced. And, and, he, and he goes, he's going to have to deal with some is from with some criticism from within the family. I'm like, OK, man. But, you know, here's the thing about 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 your mean Mercedes this year. This this is a guy who's jumped onto the scene relatively out of nowhere. He hadn't played in the majors until 2020. He played one game last year, but really until this year. This guy was a complete unknown. They bring him up because I think they because I think of just pure injuries and just needing a guy. 
and they bring this guy up and Rob, like it, this isn't a guy who's like hitting like 200, like he's barely kind of making it in and like, he's just trying to, and he's just trying to do whatever this guy so far on the year. He's through, through 37 games of play. He's batting 368 with 25 RBIs and now six home runs. So this guy's hitting off the charts. And so like, again, it's not like you're criticizing some guy that's barely like holding on to the roster and like he's, and he made an embarrassment of himself. This is one of your key contributors this year and you're, and you're ridiculing him. And this guy's only a couple years out from exactly. And the thing too, is this guy's only a couple years out from arbitration. He's only a couple years out before, before he decides, you know, what terms he wants to get paid under. And you know, when, when those hearings come up, you know, I, you know, what, what isn't going to stop him from, from going, from going, Hey, my manager doesn't have my back. What, what makes me want to sign here for this amount of money? Mm-hmm. And I mean, the other thing too, is like, it, it's, it's so frustrating too, because, you know, you see it, you see it where he comes out and it's just like, and you know, like, you know, this guy, you know, he comes on at 28 years old, like has never had this kind of success like this ever, at, ever at this level. Like he doesn't know how long this is going to last. He, he could be a one hit wonder. Like he could, he could be like, he could have like an Eric Thames type of start to the, uh, to this year. And we could never hear from him, never hear from him again. So That's like, a name. He's. Yeah, he has to take any chance he can get right now and just try to capitalize in every and every single at bat he has. Cause I mean he's been doing incredible so far, but you know, you know, who knows what happens. Maybe maybe it turns out that he can't hit the high fastball and then that's just the end of his career. I mean, so right now, you know, for a young guy like this, I don't think Jose Abreu would have done this. I don't think that I think that Tim Anderson probably would have done this because I I mean I think that's just kind of what Tim that's Anderson. That's Tim does. Anderson, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. But, but I mean, like a Tim Anderson type, like a veteran or something like that. I don't think that they're necessarily going to be taking that. Like, I feel like they're going to mo- more likely be taking a pitch. But you have a guy like this who, you know, has been on an incredible hot streak and doesn't know like what and doesn't know like what the future may hold for him. Maybe he might he might this guy may be getting flipped at the deadline for somebody Like he has no idea what his future is going to be. And if if you're him in that in, in that in that mindset, it's just like I have to take I have to take advantage of every single chance I get because. If I don't, I could be back down the minors tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, like it's not like it's not a guy like Anthony Rizzo who 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 knows. Hey, if I hey if I hey if I take this pitch and I like don't really care this at bat, I'm gonna be fine. Like, like he has a little bit more job security because of these immense success that he's had. But if like, but if he goes on a kind of a kind of a if he starts to kind of spiral out after this, it's just like all right, well then that was it for him. And I think it just shows like when it comes to Tony La Russa, man. You know, I I was I was mixed on Tony Larusa coming back into sports, and I mentioned this to you before the show because, you know, Tony Larusa left baseball, in relatively one of the best ways you can. I mean, you know, he had you know, kind of mixed success all throughout his career. Had you know had kind of a, a very nice tenure throughout his time in the MLB, and he goes out on top with the St. Louis Cardinals as a World Champion, and you know retire and retires after that. And goes into the Hall of Fame a couple of years later. And, you know, he's a Hall of Famer. People love the guy. And he was working in front offices throughout all of baseball. You know, then he decides he wants to come back to baseball and wants to go with the White Sox. Gets in trouble for a DUI and and an attempt to get out of it. Flashes his World Series rings to try to, to try to say, hey, man, like, come on. I'm Tony La Russa here. And the, the cops were like, we don't care. You're still driving under the influence. And th- there was just so many things with this guy because it's like, you know, now he's just becoming like this old grandpa. And I know that you didn't want to mention it before the show, but he's literally the, sh- but he's now literally Chicago's version of Bobby Valentine with the Red Sox. You know, <sighs> the, the only thing, the only difference though, it, the only difference though is that the, is that the White Sox are winning. And it looks like, and in my opinion, it, I feel like they're winning in spite of him because, you know, the 2012 Red Sox, 
I feel like there was just, I mean, they were, they were a competing team and fell apart, you know, just due to, you know, they the sucked. whole uh, chicken and beer incident and that whole, that, that, that the 2011 Red Sox, how they just had that dramatic collapse. And then 2012, all that toxicity just continued and Bobby Valentine just kind of made it worse. And, you know, you know, we were able to bounce back in 2013 with a kind of whole new cast of characters. We all know the story there, but mm-hmm. you know, but you know, if this team, if this White Sox team was kind of in third place with the talent they had, Tony LaRusso would be out the door. So he's lucky he has a job right now. Cause you know, I think that frankly, I think frankly, if the White Sox, you know, I don't think they're going to miss the playoffs, but if they kind of fall short of their playoff expectations, I, I don't know what, I don't know what would stop them from trying to get a new guy in there to maybe, uh, to, to say, Hey guys, like, like do like a John Farrell to Alex Cora situation. You were having success with John Farrell in, you know, in 2016, 17, making to the playoffs. But you know what, Alex Cora, we're going to get you in here and you're going to and you're going to ride this thing out for us. And, and that took us to a championship in 2018. I wouldn't blame the White Sox one bit if they try to do that next offseason, because it looks like even some of those tenured players on the White Sox or like or at least with uh, La Russa don't even seem to be respecting him because uh, one of my one, one of uh, my brother's personal friends and, you know, one of mine as well, Josh Jenkins, uh, he's, he has a game today at Sutton High School. So I wish him the best of luck there. But he sent me a DM and said. And he wanted me to talk about LaRusse on the show, which I was going to anyways, but he even came out and he showed me an article and it was from Bleacher Report. And apparently Lance Lynn, who for anyone who doesn't know Lance Lynn, he's a very tenured, you know, long tenured pitcher throughout the MLB. He's been with multiple organizations uh, in of, of that, of, of those organization. Uh, it includes the St. Louis Cardinals at the same time when uh, Tony LaRusse was managing there. So you know, LaRusse and Lance Lynn, they actually have kind of a history with each other. They've known each other throughout throughout their time. And, you know, it seems like they have, you know, at least some sort of respect for each other, at least or at least they did. And, you know, and apparently uh, Lance Lynn tries to go to Tony LaRusse, you know, fairly recently after this whole situation. He tries to tell him that uh, and he tries to basically tell him, listen, listen, coach, uh, you know, th- those whole unwritten rules in baseball that, you know, we all kind of talk about. Those are kind of going away. It's a new age for baseball. You know, people want to see the kids play. People want to kind of see all this. People want to kind of see the fun action. People want to see the bat flips. And apparently La Russa comes out. And for one of his most tenured, longest knowing players, he, he comes out and he says, uh, and he says, Lance has a locker. I have an office. I don't agree. I think the unwritten rule should stay around. I mean, like the last bit, I'm kind of paraphrasing there. But apparently he did come out and he did say, Lance has a locker. I have an office. So I have the final say. And, you know, here's the thing. I'm the type of person where I am a traditionalist in baseball to, to an extent, because like, I don't want to see rules like the pitch clock come in. I don't want to see, I don't want to see like all these kind of changes to baseball. And I also don't want to see players get too big ahead where, where like they completely, you know, take over an organization and that's where it all, that's where it becomes. But I mean, this is just really out of touch at this point. Cause I feel like, you know, you know, have a pulse with your players, especially one that you've had such a long history with. And it just shows a lack of respect that this guy has. Mm-hmm. No, I, I completely agree with that. And what what he said, he has a locker. I have an office. I completely get that. You have the final say, but you need to keep up with the times yeah. of baseball. You know, baseball is a game that doesn't wait around for anyone. You know, you have to adapt with the game. You don't you don't try and change the game. You just adapt with it. And yeah. he's trying and to I mean, keep back the game. Yeah, and that's going to kill him. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And here's the thing. I don't, I don't actually hate kind of like kind of heart, like old hardo coaches and stuff like that. And like some, some of the old time coaches, but I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of the idea of having a pulse like with, with your team. Like if you know, like this isn't going to go over well with them and like, you're not gonna be able to rally the troops in that sort of a way, 
then you kind of do have to adapt. And I and I kind of wish that there were, were more coaches, maybe not like in a Tony LaRusso sense, but work guys where they could say like, hey, like, hey, like what I say, like we're going to like establish a culture here and it's going to be like very straightforward. And, you know, I don't know. It's such a confusing situation for me because I've always, you know, never wanted the players to get too big with too big and out of hand. But I feel like when coaches are coming out and they're not even defending their own players when when teams are throwing at them, that's bad, in my opinion. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like you, you'll probably remember the situation. You remember, you remember back in 2013 when Dempster threw at A Rod. <sighs> yep. What were your thoughts on that whole situation? Ugh, that was so long ago. I I barely remember it. But mm-hmm. with with what you're saying, like um, with throwing at someone, the manager should be the first person to say, "That's yeah, that's not how we do things." Yes, and. Exactly. Especially with that, like, like you, um, I'm not sure if we were saying this before we recorded or um, during recording, but with pitchers, right, all they care about is velocity now. They don't really know about their control. If you're aiming behind somebody, what's stopping that ball from slipping out of your hand and going Kevin Pillar style on this man's face? Have you seen Kevin Pillar? His Harper's nose not. is at three different <laughs> angles. Yeah. It makes no, me upset. His nose literally looks like a bent. It looks like a bendy straw at this point. It's disgusting, actually. And I feel I feel terrible for him at this point. It's awful. R.I.P. It's Kevin awful. Pilar. And I feel te- I, really no R.I.P. Seriously, I feel terrible for for the guy. He it, he looks awful. For, I, I mean, he would have to agree, I think, too. He looks mm-hmm. awful. And the reason I brought up A-Rod kind of a second ago was, you know, Ryan Dempster back in 2013 after A-Rod comes back off the steroids and, you know, and comes off his whole like year long suspension. He comes back into baseball. And, you know, he ends up getting and A-Rod comes up to the plate in Boston for like the first time, you know, for the first time since the suspension and he gets plunked and, you know, they throw at him and he actually gets hit. And, you know, like like everyone in Boston was cheering. I was kind of jeery for it at the time. I kind of liked it because I was like this young Boston fan. But something I did realize in the situation that, you know, I thought was ridiculous at the time. But, you know, you know, it's the idea of a manager having your back. Joe Girardi, the, the Yankees manager, when this whole situation, when that whole situation went down, he was the first guy out, out of the dugout yelling at yelling at the umps. And I mean, you know, as a Red Sox fan back then, I was I was I was like, oh, kick him out too, like make it this whole situation. But kind of looking back on it, you know, whether I I I I did not I do not like respect like the like I did not respect a Rod as a player or anything like that. But seeing Joe Girardi come out like that, even when he probably knew that A-Rod, you know, throughout his history was probably in the wrong, he came out and he defended him for it. You know, when players in the earth, even if your player is in the wrong, and I like, and like you said, the only exception is if they're dead wrong, uh, you know, come out and defend them. Like, try to make, try to make some sense of it. Like, and I mean, you know, it's not always going to play off well. Like maybe, like maybe sometimes you're going to look like Don Mattingly defending Jose Arana when he plunks, when he plunks, uh, when he plunks Ronald Acuna. Maybe you're going to look like that guy. But it is the idea of like trying to, you know, hold out and, you know, you know, be your guy and be and, you know, respect you and, you know, you know, defend your players. Uh-huh. Exactly. Can you still hear me? Because I changed some yeah, of my it, settings. Yeah. Okay, OK. Oh, yeah. You sound fine. OK, good. Yeah, Just no, you're sure. fine. We were try- I, I know, you know, I know before the show we were trying to like figure out your audio. I had you put like a sock over your microphone, <laughs> trying to figure some stuff out there. But but yeah, you sound fine. No, I switched some of the settings on my mic. So now there's less echo. So you won't hear motorcycles passing through on the street. Okay. Yeah. It, it, it does kind of sound like you may, like you may have turned your mic. It, like, it sounds like you're on your computer mic now, but I'm not too sure, but you sound fine though. It's not on my computer mic. Does it sound quiet? 
Yeah, it sounds pretty quiet. So maybe maybe I actually just did it. So, uh, but what if uh, that's better? But you know, I mean, there's more static there, but you'd sound fine anyways. I I would just say go back. Yeah, you you're All fine. Right. Yeah, you're All fine. Right, what you're, we got next? You're, nah, you're chilling. You're chilling. All right. Yeah. Sorry, that was just something I really wanted to cover on on the show, and I'm glad that we did. Uh, but something else I wanted to cover was Albert Pujols is now a member of the Los Angeles Dodgers. He's going to be wearing number 55 with those guys. How are you feeling about this? Ugh, first of all, the number sucks. All right. We'll start there. Oh, yeah. 55? Like, really? 55 Ugh. is gross. All right. Terrible. Uh, who's wearing number five? Terrible. Is it Corey Seeker? Corey Seeker is either wearing five or six. Yeah. You give your number up. He's wearing five. You give your number up for a legend. You say, you know what? <laughs> If this is uh, going to be a half year where he could potentially win a championship with us, let me go wear number like 27 for a minute. I don't know. I'm just throwing a random number. Let me go wear 27 or 25. For yeah. Let me just do that. Mm-hmm. And let me, let me give the legend mm-hmm. his, his respect. You don't make his, a legend. Yeah. Come into no, a I, I see that. Have a different number. Second off, I get you're still in Los Angeles. You just got to go back to the Cardinals. The Cardinals are one of the best teams in baseball right now. They can potentially make a playoff run now that they have Nolan Arenado. And he has, he openly came out and said, I will have a player. I will have a lesser role and be more a player mentor if I go to the Cardinals. And I am okay with that. And they still didn't get a deal done. And that makes me upset. It's ridiculous, but. Uh, I, I don't know how much Albert has left. I do wonder, you know, how much he's going to be able to contribute there. I know he did get an RBI the other night, was able to start his first game, you know, uh, at, on the active roster. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see how they use a 41-year-old first baseman with a terrible lower half at this point in his career. That's not on him. That's just injuries. Yep. Uh, but it will be interesting to see how he's utilized. Uh, that was something I wanted to cover real, really quick. It was something I was going to get into a whole lot more on 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 this program, but I know we uh, we spent a lot of time talking about uh, talking about Mercedes. Yeah. Uh, so some other stuff I wanted to cover. Uh, I believe we missed out on covering this on your show, but uh, you know something that something that's really exciting for us Boston sports fans. I know you may be bummed out about this because you went back because now you're back in Tennessee, but Fenway Park, baby, is going to be open to 100 percent on May 29th, and I cannot wait. <laughs> I have I have mixed feelings. Yeah. Nothing nothing health guidelines wise because they did their part in following all the health guidelines, making sure everyone was safe and all of that X Y and Z. But with new information coming out about the CDC telling us if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask anymore. You could do as big as gatherings as you want. You can trust the vaccine. With that coming out, great. Open it 100%. I'm happy about that. I'm happy that now, for the first time, Alex Verdugo is going to be in front of an insanely loud Boston crowd for the first time ever. And he's, I, I hope they love him. I hope they love him. I, oh, I think I think they are. We all do. I hope he loves he loves the big crowd and he just is that energy spark that we need. But I hate it because it had to come three weeks after I moved back from Tennessee or moved back to Tennessee. It's great. And I'm not coming back mm-hmm. up to Boston anytime soon because, like I said, I'm graduated. <laughs> so I'm upset. The one game oh, I yeah. went to, it was 12% capacity, and I overpaid the living crap out of seats just to be able to go watch a game. Jesus, that, that is tough. <laughs> I sat in a folding chair. They had two separate seats. So the, the place that I sat in, they had two seats. Here, then a couple feet, then here, then a couple feet, then here. And I'm just like, it's perfect. Just use those two seats. You don't even need to tie up any more seats. And you just, those sets are already social distance. They zip tied one of the seats, used one of them, and had the second one be a folding chair. I'm like, why? 
what's the purpose it makes no sense i mean so i was I paid, at yeah i paid over a hundred some odd dollars per seat for me to sit in a folding chair and watch it that is that's ridiculous man i mean i i was lucky enough to go to the worcester red sox game not not too while not too long ago managed to get myself sox? yeah managed to get myself a nice piece of merchandise this will go up on my bat wall which i collect uh you know many mini bats so that'll go up there when i uh w- very soon whenever i can get the nails to put that up mm-hmm. uh and you know it was a very similar situation like they had like for for us that was weird because like they had like five like unzip tied seats and then like on the very end like one seat was zip tied i was like why why <laughs> like it, like it made no sense it, it wasn't like every other and like so and it was, it was like okay like you're making an effort like literally five seats were like unzip tied and then like there was one at the very end i was like this shouldn't even be like this this is ridiculous mm-hmm. um you know you know where i gotta go Sometime Where? very soon while I'm still in Tennessee, I go down. Um, I gotta go east to Greensville. Mm. I gotta get to a drive game. Yeah, because I got I got a couple boys who playing over there that I need to go. Mm. I need to go visit. Had them on the show, met them virtually, but I want to go meet them in person. That's sick. <laughs> Christian Cost, one of the funniest dudes. He he's got such a personality to him. Really, Brendan Salucci is very humble. Um. Who else? Zach Bryant, who was on Section Ten. Mm-hmm. If anyone remembers him from that show, and then um, who am I forget? Oh, Cole Brennan. Mm-hmm. Yep, Cole Brennan, and we talked about him on my. No, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to get back into that. Yeah, no, it's all good. Uh, but you know, obviously, obviously, you know, a bunch of boys down there, and that that would be exciting to go see them play. Uh, you know, obviously, I, I might be heading, I might be heading south this summer too, because I know my brother's, uh, know, know my brother's college base, uh, college prospect team. They, they might be going to North Carolina. Might try to check out Ooh. a Durham Bulls game. Try to check Ew. out some stuff going on down there, dude. It's a minor league stadium, and I, I like, to, I like to travel and go to all these different areas. I don't go care to that Greensville. I don't. Yeah, sure. Let me know when you're coming down, and we'll. I'll take a four-hour trip to go check out a, a drive game. <laughs> four hours—that's insane. Yeah, it's it's about four hours east. That's rough. <laughs> that's not bad. Uh, I would I'd have to get a hotel to stay at for the night because I'm not driving yeah. back. Yeah, that very late. True. But actually, if it's a, if it's an afternoon game, if it's like a one o'clock game, I leave here at about seven eight in the morning. Go there, enjoy the game. Leave at about five. Be back here by about nine ten o'clock. Actually, not not the worst. <laughs> It's a lot better than having to take 17 hours to get back home. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a thousand-mile trip. Ugh, did you have to stay the night without, or did you just drive straight through the night? I, dr- I left Dean College at 12.30 in the morning, and I got here a little after 4.30 in the afternoon. <sighs> that's insane. Bro, I was speeding down the highway. Like I said, that- I cut off a full hour of travel, which was... <laughs> Jesus. That's I actually crazy. hauling that- it. That is nuts. Holy crap. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, nice you know, trip, oh, yeah, no. And I think I think the final thing in MLB news that, that we can talk about on the show, uh, we mentioned it briefly on your on your show. Uh, actually, I don't know if we mentioned it on your show or just beforehand, uh, but the Miami Marlins, uh, you know, you know, they'll be joining the Boston Red Sox as the second team of seven, I believe, to get a City Connect jersey from Nike. You know, Nike, for, an, uh, for anyone who doesn't know around the MLB, they've been making like all sorts of new jerseys uh, for kind of teams and it's kind of and it's you know very you know very different from like from the typical styles you'll see you'll see these teams like boston's jersey was yellow and blue to represent the marathon and that was kind of, and it was like very different i mean i remember it was trending on twitter and the miami marlins jerseys uh you, you have some thoughts on the boston jerseys i'm giving it a five out of ten 
Yeah. I like it. I I don't like the Red Sox wearing yellow and blue. I think it I think here's the thing. For a weekend, I'm fine with it. For a weekend, it's fine. If if you were wearing it like the Friday night Fenway red jerseys, I'd I'd say like, okay, maybe we don't do this all the time, but you do it for marathon weekend. I like it. I like it for what I like it for what it is. Yeah. For what it is. Uh, but then, you know, the Miami Marlins also just also just got some new jerseys. They ended up getting uh, these really nice red and blue jerseys. Uh, the, and I, apparently it's rep- supposed to represent like the 1950s Sugar Kings and like the night and like the Latin influence in the area. And it's really they, and it's they're actually surprisingly nice jerseys. Like like I, you had you had said, like, these shouldn't work, but they really do. And like mm-hmm. th- the colors just pop. And I can't wait to see these actually like, you know, in play because. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if I'd be getting a jersey, but I really like the caps that they have. I like the caps. The caps are actually kind of sick because like the, it's like this crown logo. And then it says like MM for Miami Marlins. And it looks pretty sick. Mm-hmm. Like I, like if there's any piece of, of that of that of that uh, merch that I'd get, it'd be that, uh, you know, some people were wondering if they were going to bring back the, Mi- the like a Miami Vice type of look like what the Heat had. But, you know, unfortunately, are now going to be losing soon, which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. You know, I think it's going to be a really good look. I can't, I, I, I can't wait to see the Marlins wear that. No, let me just say this about those jerseys. Like like you said, it shouldn't work, but it does. And mm-hmm. if you were to sit here and just describe the jersey to me, I would say it sounds worse than the Mavs City jerseys. You know the ones I'm talking about? The green ones? The, the blue ones with the like. Oh, um, yeah. With like the straight graffiti font oh i know yeah i know what you're talking about yeah i yeah, thought yeah. it would have been worse than that but mm-hmm. then you look at it and it's like oh that that's amazing it's actually like, clean <laughs> that's a nine out of ten in my book i really like it i Very really solid. like the like and apparently there are going to be five more of those released this year i can't wait to see what teams they are i i don't know what they would i mean you know i mean the red sox that was quite the change i don't know if, if they did that for the yankees i don't know like what i i mean It'd be it'd be crazy to see like to see like uh to see the Yankees abandon the pinstripes. Like, that I would think, be something. I think they would go a black jersey with white pinstripes, something Ooh, along those lines. That'd be and very honestly, it might be clean. That like, might look actually kind of cool. As much as I hate the Yankees, that might be a clean jersey. Yeah, it's kind of like the Bruins reverse retros where they wear the yellow and and like all the colors are kind of like flipped. That'd be yep. kind of an interesting look to see. I will give you that. I mean, I'd be down to see that. Mm-hmm. I mean, not down to wear it, but down to see oh, it. Oh, absolutely not. But yeah, down to exactly. see it, yeah. Exactly. Uh, and, you know, that kind of concludes what we have in MLB news. In NFL news, there are only two kind of big uh, subjects I wanted to cover, and that is the Patriots actually are bringing back quarterback Brian Hoyer uh, to Fourth the team. time. Don't know why this is happening. And, you know, <laughs> you, you got right into it. And, you know, this is this is now – this is uh, you, you mentioned this is the fourth time they're bringing him back, but he's also now going to be the fourth quarterback in that quarterback room. Uh, and it's now going to contain Mac Jones, Cam Newton, Jared Stidham, and now Hoyer is back in the mix. And listen, I, I know that Belichick loves Hoyer because like for a long time that he, he was Brady's like he was Brady's trusty backup. And, you know, uh, he Belichick probably had some faith that he could plug him into a system and he had some success as a starter once he left the Patriots. But God, like this guy is this guy does not have it anymore. We saw what he did against. We saw him against the Kansas City Chiefs, and it was a brutal. It literally looks like a car crash in slow motion. The man cannot throw a football over 15 yards. It is mm-hmm. brutal to watch. Yeah, I, I I agree. But in some ways, he he doesn't necessarily have the ability, but he has that mentorship and that leadership that is yeah. very good for 
a quarterback room. Something that I believed helped Cam Newton somewhat over this past year, even though he only threw two touchdowns at Gillette. But something that could really help a young Mac Jones who still has all, the, all of his athleticism and has really got a high potential, which something Brian Hoyer can really help with. The problem that I have is this is QB4. Yeah. You only get 53 spots. Exactly. And the thing, I mean, obviously when it's, when it's training camps like this, you do have like 90 spots and you have like a bunch of like guys that you can mess around with. So it's possible Hoyers maybe even cut before the end of training camp. Like we don't know what this is going to look like. And I doubt the pay, I doubt the Pats are going to carry four quarterbacks. And with that being said, I'm just like, does this mean, does this mean that bill might try to might bill might eat the money from cam Newton and, and just say like, all right, Mac Jones is the guy. If we really like him out the gate, I don't, I doubt that's going to be the case. The, the, the what really intrigues me is that if Bill decides to hold on to Brian Hoyer, what does the future look like for Jared Stidham? Now, I now the future for Jared Stidham already doesn't look great because we just drafted it because it looks like we drafted the guy who, you know, will be his replacement and, you know, the, the future at this point. But it does make me wonder, you know, it could Jared Stidham be cut before, uh, at the end of this training camp because, you know, as of last year, you know, going into the season last year, pe- people were like, "Oh, this is going to be Jared Stidham's team." And then once they got Cam, Cam, once they got Cam Newton, it, it was like, "Oh, Cam's Cam's got this thing." Like, "Oh, Cam's the starter. Jared will be the backup." But then we bring in Brian Hoyer, and some games Jared doesn't even Jared doesn't even suit up. And I'm just wondering at this point, this guy went from possibly being the heir to Tom Brady to possibly being cut by the end of next training camp, and that really intrigues me. So here, here's the thing. Stidham was supposed to be Jimmy G 2.0. Mm-hmm. We can all agree with that. That that that's what was his projection. He was supposed to be Jimmy G one and a half. I don't think I don't <laughs> think saying 2.0 because listen, Jimmy G was a second round pick. And and, and and when it was when they made the selection, I, I was like, wow, they're like really being serious here at quarterback. Cause like they're going out and they're getting a guy pretty early. And then when they went to draft Jared Stidham in the year before Brady left, I was like, I was like, okay. They're just get. It looks like they're just getting like a really solid backup, like a Brian Hoyer kind of type. And I, I was like, you know, maybe he has tremendous promise, and maybe Bill can really, you know, work this guy into being the future. But you know, my 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 ceiling for him was never Jimmy G like height. I was always you know more skeptical of him working out. But it makes, but it is, but it does you know amaze me how quickly it went from it went from this guy is going to be the heir to Tom Brady. He's going to lead us to the future into the promised land. To yeah, he he does not have anything. He really can't play football at the well at the level we thought. Mm-hmm. But I don't. I honestly don't think he's going to be cut. I think the Packers or the Texans or the Broncos or maybe the Bengals will pick him up for a sixth round pick mm. and call it a day. And I think. His, his future just isn't there. I mean, we have yeah. a younger, better version of Stidham and Mac Jones. Kim Newton has already proven that he can be. I think this is going to sound bad, but I think Kim Newton is going to turn into the next Nick Foles. Really? Situational quarterback that you can bring in that, will, that can handle almost any pressure-filled situation, but not good enough to be your full-time guy. Just mm. situational. And I mean, let's be honest, Nick Foles is the exact definition of that. I think um, Cam Newton can prove as a serviceable quarterback for anybody and be a very, very good situational quarterback, not somebody who can be put in there at all times just because he is too predictable going throughout the game. Mm. That's an interesting, that is an interesting uh, uh, prediction that you have for, that you have for Cam Newton going forward. I will be interesting to see how that, uh, how that unfolds. Uh, But, you know, I, I hope that, I hope that Mac Jones does get in relatively early and we get to see what he can do. I, uh, I, 
I'm re- I really do wonder what Cam Newton's future is going to be here in New England. Uh, but you know, some other news around the NFL that you know we'll co- that, that we will cover uh, as you know as that whole situation unfolds up here uh, is Kelvin Benjamin. Do you remember Kelvin Benjamin? Yep. Chiefs yeah. Wide out, right? Uh, former Chiefs, Bills, Panthers wideouts. So I actually used to catch some passes from Cam Newton. He uh, he had been out of the league since 2018, actually. And you know when when he was when he was on Kelvin Benjamin was you know one of the kind of more underrated but still pretty solid receivers throughout all football. It was like oh like Kelvin Benjamin like he's kind of legit like you know for his first couple years in in the in the league he was he was really solid and then you know started to slow down a little bit kind of became more of like a three receiver and then kind of really just fell out of favor. So and but now he's actually coming back to the league and it looks like he's going to be coming back as a tight end and. That is hilarious in my mind because it became like kind of a running joke that Kelvin Benjamin was like eating himself into becoming a tight end. And now he's just officially kind of embracing the role. And he's and he had just signed as the New York with the New York Giants to possibly be a tight end. And this is this is actually funny in my mind because it's like kind of like an Eddie Lacy situation with Green Bay. It's just I can't believe that this guy actually ate so much that he actually has to now change positions. I don't think that's the key. I think. That the game, you know how we talked about the game of baseball evolving? Yeah. The game of football is evolving with the tight end position, mm-hmm. right? With, let's let's look at some of the best tight ends over the past couple of years, right? Gronk, Jimmy Graham, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Mike Gusecki. Um, yeah, I love Mike Gusecki. Right. Uh, yeah, I, 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 that, that one awesome. that one kind of felt like a bit of a stretch. I mean, Gusecki's great. Gusecki's great. Gusecki's one. Gusecki's a top tight end in the league right now. Oh, he's great. But 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 I was like, putting, I was like putting I, him with those names. Yeah, I, I was know, like, I was, I was like, I, I was like, there is some favoritism right there. There has yeah. to be. No, and I'm I'm saying like guys like Mark Andrews also. What do all these guys have in common? What are they known for in their tight end position? They are known for being good route runners and have hands like silk. All right. <laughs> They, they can catch the ball. They're very good at catching the ball. They're lethal weapons for any quarterback. And that's what the tight end position is really going into. I mean, think about it with none of those guys are really known for being run blockers. Yeah. You don't really need to be a run blocker. You don't even need to be a pass blocker because most NFL playbooks have a lot of tight end routes. Now, you don't really block that much as a tight end anymore. You're it's just crazy. a bigger guy who can match up well against the safety. If that's the case, why can't we just have some of our bigger wide receivers who are still decently fast line up at tight end and be able to work that way? Yeah, and maybe at the same time you can on you can actually kind of have your smaller tight ends maybe act more like in a wide receiver role. Like I know up in New England we have a ton of tight ends right now, oh, and, and none, none good. Well, no, Tom, well now we have Hunter Henry, Henry and John and Johnny Smith. And John yeah, well we yeah we just got those, but I'm just never like, mention the name Devin Aziasi to me again. That's all I'm gonna say. Listen about Devin Asiasi. This is what I. This is my prediction. No. <laughs> no. So I, he's gonna be probably our third tight end on the team, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, like Dalton Keene is gone. <laughs> Matt Lacoste right. probably gone. Oh. Um, oh. oh that... Yeah. Ryan Izzo, not even on the team anymore. <laughs> like yeah. Like after Gronk left, we really went off a cliff. God damn. I'll watch. I'll watch Ryan Izzo sell real estate in about a year and a half. Probably. Probably. Uh, but you know. I was seeing I was seeing the whole tight end situation up in New England, and you know while Devin Asiasi didn't get a lot of time last year, I was seeing him at Pat's West, which was the training camp uh, that that the Patriots were doing uh, during the off season uh, out mm-hmm. in California. And something that really intrigues me would be uh, how would be if 
you know, I was seeing Devin Asiasi and he's a pretty skinny guy. Like he's not like built like a traditional tight end. He's kind of more like a wide receiver. Yeah. So if he, you know, slimmed down and became more kind of like a bulky kind of wide out, maybe, maybe like a 50, 50 ball kind of guy, like a Des Bryant type, that could really be a solid weapon that I think could help us. And, you know, maybe like, and I'm saying like change up what he is positionally mm-hmm. that, that I think could, I, that I think has some promise. And I mean, we're still slim at wide receiver based on like real talent. So that's I mean, what I'm could, saying. I, that's why I think Aguilar. that could help. We brought Aguilar, we brought Kendrick Bourne. Is that his name? Kendrick Bourne, yeah. Yep. He really he he really excites me. I think I mean he's like 23 years old. And I think he could take over the Edelman role possibly. He's either gonna do that or or he's just gonna be like some special team. He's gonna be in Nikhil Harry. Bust. I, I don't well no, he's he's not built like Nikhil Harry. He's built more like an Edelman type where he's kind of like shifty and can do stuff like that. So I think if he could be like a younger Edelman, that could really be great for us. I I would really hope so. But I mean, we got we got we're basically good everywhere else. Defense yeah. is still solid. Gilmore's going into those regression years, but he's not there yet. Mm-hmm. The majority of our defense is back. Dante Hightower, I believe, is back, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, he'll be back next year off the COVID list. Yeah. Yep. So, um, and I mean, even our special teams is good. I mean, we have a Pro Bowl kick returner, a punt mm-hmm. returner with Gunnar yeah. Oshetsky. We got a good team around it. We just need wideouts, and we need one of those two QBs to be able to lead us to the promised land. And so we need use a running back because Sony Michelle or yeah, kind of fell off. Kind of fell off, but you know, James White is still there. Damian Harris is still promising. So, you know, that we at least at least at least still have some options. We did get a guy in the draft who seems to be who really could be the next Garrett Blunt for us. I think his name is like Deshaun Stevenson. I forget yep. what his name is. He he really is intriguing to me. Mm-hmm. No, I so can't I, wait I to see what this team does. I can't wait to see what this team does too. Uh, but that concludes what we have in NFL news. Uh, in NBA, I'm only going to talk about uh, about two of the three things that I wanted to get to today. Uh, I'm going to talk about Jason Tatum dropping 50 points last night on the Washington Wizards. <laughs> Whoo, let's go, Boston, baby. I am so pumped to see it. Uh, Tatum, thank you very much. I was, uh, on for anyone who is maybe watching this after Robert's show, I was very nervous about uh, what Jason Tatum uh, and how the Celtics were going to do this postseason. And, you know, you know, I was kind of down about it and I was almost kind of almost saying, you know, the quicker they can get out of this situation, the quicker Danny Ainge can fix this. Mm-hmm. But kind of now seeing what Tatum did last night, it kind of give kind of gave me a bit of a new perspective where now it kind of allows me to say, like, where it kind of now makes me think, you know, if Tatum can go into this thing and he can maybe, you know, drop uh, and, you know, he can have some experience against teams like the Nets and maybe I, he's not gonna, they're not. We're, let's face it. We're probably not going to get past the Nets, unfortunately, it's in five. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably that that's probably a good bet. But even if that's the case, we still you're still going to get Jason Tatum in these high in these high marquee games, which, you know, helps him out, which helps his development out, out a lot, especially with Jalen Brown out of the lineup. He's going to have to do with lo- he's going to have to do a lot of things himself. And I think it's going to test a lot of his leadership and what and what he is and what he has as a player. And I think that's I think that's pretty good for him. Mm-hmm. Now, first of all. All, all I was thinking is I didn't even watch. I couldn't watch the game. So I woke yeah. up and I saw it. I'm just like, we'll take it. <laughs> there goes that man. Mm-hmm. All right. 50. Dropping 50 on them. Jason Tatum is a grown man. He's only 19. It's insane. <laughs> Insanity. Right. Bro, he's he's got a Hall of Fame future. He has he has he has a, an amazing future ahead of him. And he mm-hmm. just needs to stay healthy. Just stay healthy, man. It all depends on what happens with, with the team. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. He's already proven that he can have 
the individual success. It's just where can that individual success turn into team success? Yeah. Now we need Danny Ainge to go out and we need him to get, we need him to get these guys some help. We need help with, with this team. We need a big man. Frankly, we haven't had a legit big man since like Kendrick Perkins. I mean, I know, I know That's Kevin Garnett. Even. No. I, well, no, I'm, no. I'm just, and, I, and I'm not even no. saying Kendrick Perkins w- w- was like, was like a staple big man for us, but I'm just like, we haven't had a, like a legit center, like the big ticket for us, you know, Kevin Garnett, he was a power forward. Mm-hmm. So we haven't had like a legit center in like years at this point. No, and, like, we, we really never have because you're right. The last legit one was um, Kendrick Perkins and Big Baby Davis. Mm-hmm. But even then, I'm not. I mean, I'm we've not been rolling with that. Yeah, we've been rolling like with Al Horford and like, you know, Horford's uh, great. Yeah, Horford. Horford's, Hor- no, Horford's, Horford. Hor- yeah, Horford's great, but he's a power forward mm-hmm. playing center. Like, we haven't had a legit center in so long and, it, and it's gotten so bad. I mean, like, I remember, you know, back in like 2018 or something like that, we brought in Greg Monroe. Uh, from from the bus, he was actually doing pretty good with us. That's what I'm saying, and it, and it was and it was like, hey, we got Greg Monroe, we got a center, we got somebody, and but it's just like when we're only taking Greg Monroe, and that's like the big, like that's the big move at center we're making. It's like we need to do more, and it's become apparent at this point. If we're talking about 2015, Greg Monroe, oh, well, then, then I mean, we're I'm happy. I'll but take 2018, that. Greg Monroe. Hey, no, nah, nah, absolutely not. Gross. Absolutely, uh, but you know. I will be excited to see what Jason Tatum can do uh, against the Nets. I think this is going to be some good experience for him. Very kind of, I think similar kind of experience to what he had against LeBron, uh, uh, his rookie season in the oh, Eastern that. conference finals. I think that's some good experience and some good, uh, some good stuff for him to possibly, you know, you know, learn some more and, you know, you know, he's still pretty young can you know, still get that experience against a super team. He's going to really have to learn how to battle and maybe it's, maybe it's, I mean, I'm not trying to compare what he is as a player, but you know, maybe him getting beat up by, by like a Nets team like this is, could be kind of what, uh, what could be kind of equivalent to what a Michael Jordan had to face when he got beat up by the bad boy Pistons during his early days. No, he, had to, he had to face those, he had to face those guys who absolutely ran rough shot over him. And eventually he was able to shine and become the great player. We all know him to be, maybe this could be that for Jason Tatum as well. Here's the thing. I think this team is going to be exactly like 2018. Mm-hmm. All right. 2018 was a year plagued with injuries. The team was supposed yeah. to be great with Kyrie and Gordon Hayward joining the team with a rookie Jason Tatum and a sophomore year J- Jalen Brown. But injury obviously took Gordon Hayward out for the season game one, about three quarters of the way in. Kyrie's out for the rest of the year. It's up to a rookie and a sophomore year player to will mm-hmm. this team to victory. And guess what? They did it. They were supposed to be underdogs against the um, the Bucks. against the Bucks. They won against the Bucks in five or six. Well, don't also don't forget Scary Terry. <laughs> Scary Terry, oh that beautiful man. I, I miss that so much. Drew, Drew Blood, so <laughs> he doesn't awesome. want it. He didn't want to be there. That's all I gotta no. say. Oh. And then going up against Philly, they expected because Philly just chokes, so they were expected to win that one. And then going against LeBron, they're like, well, they got no one to defend LeBron. This is it over on five. Yet we took it seven. And Jason Tatum baptized LeBron. Mm-hmm. I was over at my friend's house watching the game, and he went. He got up to get a soda and missed the dunk. <laughs> I, I went ballistic on that play. Oh, I, was, I was I was through the moon. Oh, man, that was beautiful. I mean, obviously, we ended up losing the series, but that is something that I will definitely remember. Remember as a Celtics fan, seeing Tatum dunk over LeBron. That's when I knew, like, this guy is some. This guy can be something special. Not only that, but the confidence to just chest bump LeBron after and just be like, "What's oh, good?" Oh yeah, I was What's like, good? "I was, I was like, you got to be kidding me! This is insane." And then Marcus Morris in the background. Celtics Marcus Morris wasn't 
was a dog. Yeah. I mean, we had a squad in 2018. Like we we had such a squad. I mean, like 2019 I, I, we did. That was that was a team and a half. But well, no, I'm just saying 2018 because of how far we got. Yeah. 2019 we failed against the Bucks, and it was actually kind of like just it was extremely disappointing. But like that 2018 team where we went out and we were like like we we were some dogs that year. Like like I mean, scary Terry, all those guys. That was a that was a time. Mm-hmm. But the thing the thing I was gonna say about that. Because that team was always underdog built. It was a team oh, yeah. that was supposed to be good, plagued with injuries, became an underdog, and really th- thrived as an underdog. Mm-hmm. This year, so, it's the same thing. Yeah, honestly, that and you know, kind of thinking about it now, my, my tide kind of has turned a little bit, and and you know, seeing if Jason Tatum can do this thing, and seeing how far he can take this, how far he can take this, it really intrigues me. I hope, I wish the best for them. Mm-hmm. Me too. And that and that, and so that concludes what we have in uh, actually well that concludes that NBA uh, segment. Uh, the other thing I wanted to cover quickly, I was going to talk about Damian Lillard, but I'll talk about that at, at another time. Uh, but kind of a kind of a fun pop culture thing I wanted to cover. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know if you're a big rap guy. I don't know. I don't know where you kind of stand really. with the whole subject. Yeah. All right. But uh, I I I enjoy some rap. I enjoy some country. I I really enjoy anything. But. Uh, uh, for anyone who didn't see it, uh, the rapper J. Cole uh, re- re- uh, recently just released his album, The Off Season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, all, but the other big news surrounding him was like th- at the very same time he did it, he also signed with the Basketball Africa League, which is like kind of like a minor leagues for the NBA. It's like out of Africa, and he signed with the Rwanda Patriots. And this man is 36 years old, and he finished his. Uh, he f- he ended up playing his first game against these guys. He finished with three points, three rebounds, two assists, and just in under 18 minutes of action with these guys. So he was kind of like in a very limited role. Yeah. Uh, but you know, did pretty solid. Sung a nice free throw. Had some had some success. I saw another highlight where he actually just had a block in a game. You know, was making some nice plays. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I think it's I I I I'm enjoying this. I mean, he's only going to play like three to six games with these guys, so. You know, I'm gonna enjoy it while it lasts. Enjoy the highlights. Just you know, I think it's fun to watch. Here's here's the thing, right? And no one can deny this. The Rwanda Patriots signed him just for a publicity stunt. Yeah. It's because they were gonna make more money with him there than his contract is gonna be. Doesn't matter mm-hmm. how much they were gonna offer him. He they were gonna make more just because oh we have Jay Cole on our team. I mean, you're telling along. me. I mean, I had no idea Rwanda had a basketball team. Exactly. It's gonna put butts in seats. Exactly. Well, when when it's the, when when it's uh when it's quote unquote safe when it's safe to do so. Yeah, but virtually, I mean, like people are gonna tune in and watch the games. Oh, the streams are gonna be insane. Like exactly. beforehand, beforehand, you might have like ten people watching. Now you might get a couple thousand. Yep, and that's that's the thing is they're gonna make more money. Exactly. That's the reason they did it. Capitalism always wins. <laughs> that's how it works. <laughs> so he's he's not gonna do anything special. He's not gonna give you anything that some random twenty three year old kid. When the only reason he got with a team is because of his name. He gets to yeah. live out a slight basketball dream that he's always had. We get to watch a rapper play basketball that's not doing anything great, but still doing okay. Yeah, I mean, we we saw Master P with the uh, with the Raptors like way back when. Oh, gross! <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> it was awful. Mm-hmm. Never, never sign a rapper to the NBA. Let him go. Let him go overseas. Oh yeah, let him let him go prove himself there. Uh, but that can, but that kind of concludes what we had in NBA news. Uh, before we do end up going down the wire again, I was going to have my Uf, one of my UFC analysts, Steve Mushore, on the show to talk about this. But uh, are you, uh, do you do you watch UFC by by any means? Okay, so Not this, so this is something that I'll kind of cover a little bit here. But I will kind of like tell you 
I will kind of give you a bit of a rundown with with some of this stuff and kind of just like just kind of see some of your reaction. And one of these things I like I will be able to, you will be able to probably talk about uh, with some good detail uh, and probably will piss you off a little bit. Uh, but we start off with UFC 262, which took place over the weekend, uh, like this past Saturday. And uh, Charles Charles Oliveira, you know, ended up uh, defeating Michael Chandler for uh, 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 for the lightweight title. Uh, the title was actually vacated by uh, Khabib. Number, uh, can't even say the last name. Uh, Nur- 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 yeah, something Nur- like that. yeah, it's something like that. I, I've been able to say it before, but unfortunately, I don't have the name written in front of me. Uh, but you know, he Khabib held the title and he retired and vacated it. And now Charles Charles Oliveira comes in and he, he defeats Michael Chandler. And I don't know if you knew, I don't know if you know who Michael Chandler is because I had no idea who this guy was either. But he fought on the undercard to the McGregor Poirier fight, which took place back in like January. And I had no idea who this guy was. He he came in as an unranked fighter. And if you don't know how you if you don't have like know like how MMA works, UFC is like the major leagues of like of like all of fighting. But there's like kind of other leagues off off of it. So there's like the Bellator League, which you know you've probably heard of like Bellator gyms, possibly. Mm-hmm. This is like a fighting league that's kind of based off that. And instead of fighting in an octagon, they fight in a circle. But it's like very similar kind of rules. This guy yeah. kind of fought in this kind of like other league and was kind of and was like the champion of this league. And he was like an older, he was not, not necessarily older, but he was like in his thirties at this point. And he, he was like, all right, I've had, I've done all the success I had here. I want to go test myself out in the UFC. Cause I want to see what I have. Mm-hmm. This guy comes in and faced the number six at the, the number six ranked fighter at, at that position. And he comes and first round, he absolutely obliterates this guy and puts him into the canvas. And it was, man, when I watched this thing, it was brutal. But that wasn't the funny part. The funny part was at the end of the fight, he climbs up onto the top, on, onto the top of like walls of the octagon and proceeds to do a backflip into the arena and almost like broke his legs while doing so. <laughs> like this guy literally came down and, and I was like, if he came down the wrong way, he would have like snapped his legs in half. It would have been disgusting to see. But he comes out there and faces like, you know, Charles Oliveira, who, you know, currently is like the number one ranked fighter. And he ended up losing uh, to him, you know, I believe in the second round. And man, it was a brutal kind of knockout to see. Like this guy was like hunkering oh, over. Yep. Yeah, he was like hunkering over. And this guy just, just beat the crap out of him. It was ridiculous. I, like, I don't know if you saw it, but it was an ugly looking knockout. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to have that my, my friend Steve Musher on the show for this for this little bit was actually because, uh, you know, he actually knew a fighter who fought this guy, Charles Oliveira. And I didn't know too much about Oliveira in general. I thought he was more kind of a submission guy. But, you know, he absolutely brutalized this guy. And I did want to cover that really quickly before I did go down the wire. Uh, another thing from UFC 262 I did want to cover was uh, I don't actually know any of these fighters, uh, but d- too well. But uh, uh, there was another there was another fight on the on the on the undercard. Uh, this fighter, his name is Edison Barboza. He was fighting this guy, Shane Burgos. And I don't know these guys at all. I have no idea who, who they are. But this was this was actually insane to me. So these guys are fighting. And this guy, Barboza, he 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 hits this guy, uh, he hits this guy, Shane, in the head with like like a couple like, you know, rounds of punches. And he hits him really solid one time. And like like even the announcers go like, ooh. And like the, he like has his hands up and he starts to come forward to like fight him. And then immediately, like five, se- like it's about five seconds of him like shuffling forward, and then all at once his body just like like shuts down, and like he just passes out on the mat. Damn. Yeah, I don't know if you saw this. It was I actually didn't. insane. Like he just takes a right to the face, and like he backs up, and he goes into like shuffle to like to get ready for like the next like series of strikes. 
And then all at once he like he starts to like backpedal and he just keeps on backpedaling and he just passes out and like the ref just calls it at that point. Jeez. It was like it was a scary kind of thing to see because like, you know, you've seen like there are a couple of delayed reactions where you'll see stuff happen. But like this was some of the most delayed stuff I've ever seen. And like you, you were trying to hear medical experts break this down. And, and they were like they're like, you know, the, the brain kind of works in mysterious ways where, you know, you might get hit like that. And it just did not register with him for five seconds. And, and then when it did, it was like it was like, hey, we got to shut this thing down. We're going to sleep now. It, no, it was. It was scary to see. Like I like this guy literally was like up fine, like after taking this hit and immediately just flatlined. Mm-hmm. Craziness. And th- it was just insane to see. Uh, but the final thing I wanted to mention before we do go down to the wire, this is what I think you'll know a little bit more about just because of the popularity it's got it's gotten so far. And that is the boxing match between Floyd Money Mayweather and the YouTuber Logan Paul. Uh, do you have any initial thoughts on this? <laughs> YouTubers are making boxing a joke. Yeah, there's, there's no credibility to the sport anymore because of YouTubers thinking they're boxers. Mm-hmm. It's it's I hope I hope this this fight lasts 15 seconds. Well, I, I had those hopes, too. But total I saw this from Total Poor Sports. They put out a they put out like a video of Floyd Mayweather, Floyd Mayweather training. And man, he looks freaking slow as hell in this in this training video. He's like you know, just getting the rounds off, but like it is, there's like no speed to it. The guys are trying to like gas him up and all this stuff, but he looks exhausted, man. And it, it really makes me kind of worried that like Logan Paul might actually go out there and might be able to win against this guy. It makes me, it makes me so nervous. Cause like, you know, well, I don't like, you know, while Floyd's off the, off the, uh, you know, out of sport antics, I do not respect that much. And I, you know, do not have a lot of respect for him outside of the sport. You know, he, this guy is like, 50 and 0 at this point and you know he's known for brutalizing his his opponents and you know wearing guys out through defense i i don't know if he's gonna be able to have this especially you know with an extreme height disadvantage against logan against logan paul if this uh if this gets out of hand this could i i think logan paul could you know if this is what it looks like logan paul could put a beating on this guy I can, which I can which see. which which scares me i do not want to see that whatsoever i don't either that's gonna that, piss me off it scares me so much, and I hope that I, I hope Floyd, you know, through all the off the uh, through all the off uh, off field antics, I'll just say for everything he gets into, I hope he actually, I hope that isn't you know all he has left in the tank because if it is, I probably will call it for Logan. Uh, but you know, it was it was bad to watch. Uh, but I I hope that uh, I hope that you know it does kind of be a good fight. It's going to take place in Miami. It's going to be uh, I guess a packed stadium of people wanting to see this, which in my mind is insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, at this point in time, I believe it's, I believe it is finally time to say that we are now officially down to the wire, which means that we're going to go through everything we talked about in this episode and we will, and we will, uh, you know, I'll see you guys probably later this week with an up with a interview I'm, I'm planning to do, uh, you know, obviously I'll have to, well, obviously we have some other bigger plans coming on. Uh, but you know, Rob, before we go down to the wire, uh, is there anything you want to say about your podcast? Uh, make sure you guys go follow me at Pesky Pole Podcast if you guys are interested in Red Sox news, takes, all that fun stuff. I have had a bunch of guys from the Red Sox um, team on the show, like we've talked about, including Garrett Whitlock, who is part of the team currently and is kicking roster. You know what? Best pitcher on our roster. And so if you guys want to see some interviews like that during the offseason and during the season had me rotate guests like Brian and a bunch of other of my friends and people I've gotten to meet through the podcast. 
Follow me on Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, and Google Play, whichever one is more convenient for you. Like like I said on my show, shout out to my couple of viewers in Belgium. Like, but make sure, you guys, make sure you guys go follow that if you are interested in Red Sox news. Yeah. And with that being said, we are now officially down the wire. And, you know, obviously we started off this episode talking about a rap TV post I saw of airlines possibly weighing passengers uh, going forward in the future. I, I I listed my concerns with that, as well as Robert chiming in some of his thoughts there. We then proceeded to go into MLB and discuss uh, the whole the whole situation surrounding your mean Mercedes and Tony La Russa and kind of the breakdown going on there, as well as Albert Pujols signing with the Los Angeles Dodgers. We also discussed Fenway Park being open to full capacity as of May 29th and the Miami Marlins getting some fire city connect jerseys. Uh, you know, very excited to see there. Uh, also in, in NFL news, we discussed the Patriots resetting Brian Hoyer and what that means for Jared Sidham going forward. And we also discussed Kevin, Kevin Benjamin coming back to the league as a tight end and what, and what that means for the, for the position as a whole in NBA news. We, t- we discussed Jason Tatum dropping 50 and Jay Cole, uh, you know, uh, officially now playing in the, uh, you know, officially now playing in the uh, Basketball Africa League and in boxing uh, slash MMA news. We talked about Charles Oliveira defeating Michael Chandler in the second round of their championship bout in UFC 262, as well as Edison Barboza's uh, extremely delayed response of a knockout against Shane Burgos. And finally, we ended things off talking about Floyd Mayweather's, uh, you know, Floyd Mayweather looking slow in a training video that was kind of posted by Total Pro Sports. Uh, if you guys haven't followed us yet on uh, social media, Robert obviously shouted out his uh, social media. But if you're not following Down on the Wire yet, what are you guys doing? You know, you can find us on you can find us on Spotify, YouTube, Google Podcasts, iTunes Gang. I'm sorry about you guys, but the main hub to get through all of us is our is our Instagram page. You can find that at down dot to the wire again at down dot to the wire. Uh, I I have something I I have something planned for this Friday, which could be a really good episode. I'm really excited for it. Uh, I'm not going to spoil anything just yet, but from down to the wire, I'm Brian Costa. And I'm Robert Shelley. And we hope you guys have a great, we hope you guys have a great day. We will see you guys next time. Peace.